Okay, I have a new um, study guide that we may or may not get to, so if you need one, just raise your hand and I'll make sure you get it. But we are going to finish up on last week's study guide. And I was talking to you about the two extremes that uh, we uh, often meet in the church. And uh, the one extreme is the isolationists, the legalists, those who, you know, create their little camps and don't let anybody in and don't let anybody out. And then you've got the libertarians, those folks who abuse God's grace. They go to, go to the other extreme. And uh, either one of those extremes are not conducive to uh, true fellowship with the Lord as John writes to us about in 1 John. So we, we have to be careful about uh, these extremes, and we're all prone to them one, to one degree or another. As I mentioned, we're all kind of in the middle of that pendulum swing somewhere. So we have to be very, very careful and uh, about uh, about things like that. And so what we, what we seek is really a balance in, in, in our right relationship with God. It's when we get ourselves out of balance that we find ourselves um, out of fellowship with God and uh, get ourselves in all sorts of situations. So last week I think I closed with uh, five considerations in governing your liberty concerning our relationship in the church. That's where you should be on your study guide. And uh, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 14, uh, this is where um, I was taught this. Uh, and I'm just going to pass on what I was taught, because I, I thought it was good. It certainly has helped me. But in Romans 14, starting in verse 1, Paul writes, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. So the background on this is that there were some folks in the church in Rome. Uh, well, they were all, all of them, most of them were delivered from an idolatrous background. And a part of idolatry in that day was you offered meat to your particular god. And then you would t- partake of that meat offered. And that was part of the worship service uh, in regards to that idol. They do the very same thing in India. Uh, I remember the hotel that we stayed in, there was a little restaurant that was right next to it, and it was devoted to a particular uh, god. You know, they have multiple deities in India. And on over the, over the door of this restaurant, uh, it said, God is food, in English. And uh, that was kind of a... a, a um, polite warning to anyone who was not of the Hindu faith you know other words don't bother eating here because this this restaurant is dedicated to this particular god so when you come into this particular restaurant that's part of your expression of worship toward this particular deity you understand what I'm saying there well that's the way it was in Rome with some of these folks who were delivered from their idolatrous background 
But they were having difficulty transitioning from this old way of life into this new way of life under grace and mercy, you know, with with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they were having a very difficult time uh, transitioning from the old ways in, into the new ways. And that still goes on today. I mean, you could meet someone who may have been delivered from a particular denomination, such as Catholicism or something like that. And then when they come into, you know, a Bible-believing church, there's a lot of that Catholicism that they have to be um, retaught or whatever concerning. I'm an example of that. When I was, when I received Christ as my Savior, uh, they were talking to me about being baptized. And I would tell well, I don't need to be baptized because I was baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church. So I don't, I don't need to be baptized. Well, what needed to be done is I needed to have somebody to patiently sit down with me in God's Word, not judge me, but simply show me this is what baptism is really all about according to God's Word. When I saw that, then I realized, ah, oh, you're right. I do, I do need to be baptized. I need to be baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. And my infant baptism, I see now, you know, was really, for that denomination, it really didn't mean anything. So that's, that's what was going on in, uh, in Rome. They had people who were struggling with this transition. They also had people in Rome who were more mature in their faith. Uh, more spiritual in their understanding as far as grace and the gospel is concerned. But the problem with these people was that they were judgy. Alright? You're just silly. You're just, you know, you're, you're being foolish. They were being judgy toward these people with weak consciences. And so they were making these folks feel like second class Christians. Have you ever been around somebody who's made you feel like a second class Christian because you're just not quite where they're at on whatever scale that they judge people by? You know, I, I used to, I used to work with a fellow that was that way. He always made you feel like you were a second class citizen because you weren't quite where he was wherever that was in that scale of spirituality. And, well, you had those kind of folks here in Rome. So Paul had to deal with this situation, and uh, so that's what he's doing here. And so that's, that's what we're going to look at here is five considerations in governing your liberty concerning our relationship in the church. So the very first point on your study guide is this one. Consider your personal relationship to Christ. Consider your personal relationship to Christ. This is the old... Yeah, that'll be a new one. Oh, that's a new one. But go ahead and take it, because we might, we might get there. Do you need an old one? No? Yeah, I guess so. No, no. I think this is the only one. Yeah, this is the only one. That's okay. It's just an ABF class. It's not like... We're very informal here. There's no problem with that at all. I have no problem with that. 
Uh, Brianna, cut that last part out. That's what you, that's what Brian did. So I thought, okay. So anyway, consider your personal relationship to Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay, so on your study guide, when we were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, at that moment, whether we were aware of it or not, we are no longer our own person. We now belong to another. Do you guys understand that? You understand that? A lot of people have trouble with that. A lot of people don't don't really understand that. They don't really understand that um, they belong to Jesus Christ. You know, uh, they'll give lip service to it, or yeah, they'll admit to it as long as it's con- it's convenient for them, or it doesn't demand too much from them. But when it when it really starts demanding too much, you know, too much that they're willing to to give up or sacrifice, then then they balk at that issue. Hey, been there, done that. I've been there, done that. I, I get it. I totally get it. We don't want to give up sometimes our independence. We don't want to give up certain things uh, for the greater for the greater glory of God. First, First uh, Corinthians six seventeen through eighteen says, "But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit." He says, "Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body." Again, that's that relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is talking about. Because there were folks in the Corinthian church again coming back, uh, going back to that idolatrous relationship. One of the ways that they worshiped these idols was because of um, uh, priestesses in temples that were nothing short of uh, prostitutes or harlots. And that was a part of their worship. And so Paul is rebuking some of these folks who are having a hard time getting away from that. You know, and he says, hey guys, don't you realize that you are now joined to the Lord? And how does Paul uh, talk about our relationship in Ephesians with the Lord? Chapter 5. Kind of like husband and wife, right? Kind of like a husband and wife. Like a wife to her husband and a husband to his wife, belonging to one another, they're, they're one flesh. Guess what? So are we in Jesus Christ. We're one flesh with Christ. We're one flesh with... That's, if you stop and think about it, that's pretty cool. That really is. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15 and, and, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto, the, unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Again, in regards to our, you know, our liberty... You know, we're to live unto the Lord, not unto ourselves. Not unto ourselves. It's that personal relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as the husband is to live 
for his wife, and his wife lived for her husband, so we ought to live for Jesus Christ. I mean, he gave himself for us. He gave his all for us. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2. Do I have these verses on the study guide? Oh, I cannot believe I did that. This time. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So, on your study guide, for a redeemed man or woman to live a life patterned after the flesh is to live contrary, is your word, to the will of God, and what it is that John says of those who do so. Right? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So don't, don't say, yeah, I'm in fellowship with God, but yet your, your whole life is totally opposite of that fellowship. So this little matter of you permitting yourself this particular thing, claiming it's Christian liberty, when really it's, it's nothing more than, you know, giving into your flesh, um, you know, how, how is that affecting your personal relationship with Jesus? Is it getting in the way? Is it something that you're certain he, he approves of? You know, uh, I know of folks who permit certain things in their life and it really isn't conducive to their spiritual growth. Uh, I think that's one of the things that Life Issues deals with all the time. Helping these folks, you know, work through their addictions and stuff like that. And um, what was it Steve Fleshman said one time? He said, we, we're, we're, all, we're all candidates for life issues. Because <laughs> there's something that we're all addicted to. You know, there's something we're all addicted to. Right? Like, I'm addicted to my wife. What am I going to do about that? <laughs> That's... <I'm... clears> there you go, Pam. You. Somebody's paying attention. <laughs> Very good. (laughs) Very good. All right, point two. (laughs) Very good, Pam. Um, (laughs) Number two, consider your personal accountability to Christ. Your personal accountability to Christ. Uh, Romans 14, 10 through 12 He says, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now how many of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Every last one of us. Without exception. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Apologize for that. Every one of us will give account of himself to God. You know, in this matter of accountability, especially in our day, it just, 
it just doesn't seem to be ex- anywhere. I mean, it just doesn't seem to be... Nobody seems to be accountable for their actions. You know, no, they no longer seem to be willing to accept responsibility. They no longer recognize their obligation to others. We have a whole capital full of people like that. Full of people like that. There's no accountability. There's no justice. Nobody man enough to stand up and say, you know, you're absolutely right, I'm wrong. It just isn't existent. Even even among Christians, there's uh, the idea of personal accountability doesn't hold much weight with a lot of uh, with a lot of Christians. You guys looking forward to the rapture? Yes. Are you? I am too. I am too. You know, we often look at the rapture as an, as an escape clause out of this mess that the world is. But uh, how many in here knows what happens after the rapture? How many knows what happens after the rapture? Well, yeah, the second coming, but something happens in between that second coming. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Every one of us is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to make an account of our stewardship. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body. That's right now. According to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing, he says here in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That word terror means to dread. Something that strikes fear in a, in a person's heart. Now clearly, you know, being born again believers in Jesus Christ, um, there really is no terror of the Lord in us, is there? I mean, not really. I mean, I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of, you know, going to hell. I'm not afraid of being cast into the lake of fire. I'm, that terror is gone. It's removed. But, one of these days, I am going to see him eye to eye. And I'm going to have to give an account of my stewardship. You know, when I was a kid, I hated being called into the principal's office. I remember one time uh, at, a, at a church that we used to attend to, we were called into a pastor's office. And um, that was scary. That was scary. Having to give an account for something that wasn't true, but you still have to give an account. We're going to have to give an account of our stewardship. We're going to have to give an account of this life. Think about that for a minute. You know, now, I don't know about you, but 
I know in some things I'll be okay, but in other things, maybe not so okay. You know? So on your study guide, there will be no saying one thing and doing another at this point. You're not going to fool him. You're not going to pull any wool over his eyes. There will be no hiding from the Lord what we have, the word is, successfully hidden from others while on earth. See, that's why I hammered on sincerity and truth so hard for what? Two, three, four lessons? That's what 1 John 1, 6 is all about. Yeah, we're all going to fall, we're all going to fail, we're all going to make mistakes, we're all going to say and do stupid things, but be honest with God about it. When you do, say, hey God, I messed up, I'm sorry. Don't try to play games. Don't try to hide it. Deal with it. Deal with it. So, what you just said, is that if it's something that say, you struggled with most of your life, but you confessed and repented every time that you do it, It's all hard attitude. It comes right down to hard attitude. Uh, We have a high priest that cannot be touched with our infirmities. He knows what what we struggle with. He understands that. And as long as the hard attitude is, you know, you're, you're constantly working on it, constantly dealing with it, constantly confessing it. It says here, confess, you know, confess your faults. It doesn't say confess your faults only 15 times. Right? It's a, it's a lifetime of confession. It really comes down to the hard attitude. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I've got areas in my life that I, I do. I honestly struggle with them and I've constantly go, got to go back to God and say, you know, I, I did it again. I messed up again. I said what I didn't want to say. You know, I, you're always going to do that, but it's hard attitude. I could adopt the hard attitude. Well, that's just who I am. So you're just going to have to get over it. You know? Or, hey, my liberty says I can do this, so, you know, I don't care what so-and-so thinks. I don't care if it causes so-and-so to stumble. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want. See the difference there between the hard attitude? So it comes right down to the hard attitude. Yes, sir? Yeah. 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 So as long as you're open and honest with him about it, you know, you're not trying to play this game, you're not trying to cover it over, you know. But if you're honestly, sincerely trying to deal with this thing and yeah, we're gonna fall and fail, who doesn't? You see, you've got you've got oh, I gotta be careful here. <laughs> you've got believers who honestly believe they have arrived. You don't want that kind of attitude. You don't want that kind of attitude. God looks at the contrite heart. The humble heart. The heart that knows, hey, yeah, I messed up, but at the same time goes to him for confession and forgiveness and help me be stronger next time. Does that help? So 1 Corinthians three eleven through 15. I uh, alluded to this passage earlier. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, so make sure you build your life on Jesus Christ. Remember that um, parable he gave about the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock? You want to make sure you're, putting your, you're building your house on the rock. 
now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Alright, so to me, that's one of the strongest verses in the scriptures that speaks against loss of salvation. Alright? The only thing this person loses is reward. But he himself or she herself, they're still, they're still in the kingdom. They're still in heaven. I don't want to be that person, you know, with the smell of smoke and have nothing to show. And I'm going to tell you something else, folks. You don't need to be up here, you know, like preaching from the pulpit like a, a Pastor Brian. No, you be faithful exactly where God has you. You be a faithful mom. You be a faithful dad. You be a faithful wife. You be a faithful mother, uh, uh, husband. Yeah? You be faithful with what God has shown you. That's what he's looking for is faithfulness. That's what he's looking for. If 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 you come in and you come to church and your ministry is helping out in the kitchen, be faithful in that. If it's come to clean the church a Saturday a month, be faithful in that. If if you're over here teaching the kids and the whatever it is you're doing that God has you to do, be faithful in it. That's what He looks for. He's not looking for you to be a pastor, Brian. Alright? You can be a knucklehead like me. Just be faithful in being a knucklehead. That's all there is to it. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. Just be faithful. Remember 2 John 1.8, he says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. That's what we want. We want to receive a full reward. So we're personally accountable. Personally accountable. And and that's why it's so essential for us to walk with God in sincerity and truth. You know, be be real in your relationship with God. Uh, Love others. Be real with them. Be faithful in what it is that that God has you to do. You know, uh, walk in the light as He is in the light. That's what He's looking for. That's what He's looking for. And as far as the torment is concerned, as far as that terror of the Lord, 1 John 4, 17 through 18 says, Herein is our love made, perf- made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he, as He is, so are we in this world. Folks, if you genuinely love God, and you serve God out of a heart of love for Him, that terror won't be there. You see what I'm saying? It don't matter if you're a Pastor Brian or if you're serving food in the kitchen. It's the attitude of heart. He says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. I'm telling you, folks, if there's anything you want to perfect in your life, perfect loving God, and loving others. Hmm, somebody said that those are the two greatest commandments. I wonder who that was. 
perfect that. Perfect that. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. Right? Number three. Uh, this is a this is a key one. This is a this is a difficult one. Consider the impression given to being given to others. The impression being given to others. Romans four sixteen. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Now this is a tough one because we get so judgy. We'll see somebody doing something, we'll see somebody somewhere, we'll see some, and immediately what do we do? We judge them. Oh, they shouldn't be, oh, well, look at, oh, I would never. Be careful. This is a tough one. Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God, do I, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know, sometimes we are so careful to please Pastor Brian or so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And guess what? Sometimes if you please these guys, you're not pleasing God. I've been in that environment. I've been in that environment where you try to please this this man, this leader, this pastor, and come to find out this guy's a rascal. No, you focus on pleasing God. You focus on pleasing God. On your study guide, motive of heart is so important. And just as important is what motivates the heart. Motive of heart is so important and just as important is what motivates the heart. What really motivates your heart? Is it, get, is it to get praise from Pastor Steve? Is it so Pastor Brian looks at you and thinks that you're all that in a bag of chips? Are you wanting the praise of men? Well, let me tell you something. If that's what you're looking for when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, good luck with that. That's what the Pharisees were after. Romans 12:17 says recompense to no man evil for evil provide things honest in the sight of all men. That can be tough. Because sometimes, you know, our questions, our motives will be questions, our actions will be questioned. I remember um a story about Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon had of all things a, a garden. And he'd take this produce and he'd take it to the farmer's market and he would sell the produce. And there were people in his church that were judging Charles Spurgeon, thinking, well, we pay him enough. Why is he, you know, he, why is he selling his produce from his garden? Does he, why does he need that extra money? And so they were judging him. I mean, that was his produce. That was his labor in the garden. That was his to do whatever he, you know what he did with that? money that he got from the garden that he worked in? Huh? Supportive widows. That's exactly what it was for. Supporting the widows in his church. That was his personal 
ministry to those widows in his church. So be careful, folks. Be careful. On your study guide, being real before others must begin by being real before God. Be real before God, and guess what? You won't have to worry about being real before others. Right? First Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Now that's tough. That's tough. Especially today, that's tough. On your study guide, appearances can be deceiving, but be wary to not purposely deceive by a false appearance before others. I mean, people can... um, get a false impression and you could be totally above board and if you're totally above board you know, don't worry about it well just you know don't don't get overly concerned but if you're purposely trying to deceive this is what hits my heart be careful be careful That's that having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That's what your false teachers like to play at. That's what your false teachers like to play at. That's what that's 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 these big name honchos who's got multi million dollar mansions and I know I'm picking on people. But that's what they, they do. They try to portray themselves as this thing. But when it comes right down to having to sacrifice, comes right down to really ministering to people, they don't do it. Because it's not in them. It's just not in them. Again, 1 John 1, 6, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I don't care how many fig leaves you put on yourself. The only garment that God's going to Except is the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans thirteen twelve through fourteen says, "The night is far spent; the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof." See, that's that's the issue with the libertarians. They make provision for the flesh and then claim their liberty in Christ. That's being dishonest. That's being dishonest. Okay, so are you guys, what does Brian say? Are you guys tracking with me on what I'm putting out here? Okay. I see a few eyebrows wrinkled up, but... Huh? That's just my normal look. Oh, is that your normal look? <laughs> that confused, yes. befuddled look? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, so number four. Number four. Consider your influence upon other Christians. 
Consider your influence upon other Christians. Romans 14, 19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. You know, for me, I think this is... um, When we're talking about uh, the libertarians, I think this is the main thing um, for me. Uh, for my brothers and sisters in Christ who choose to, um, I, I'm going to use the word flaunt, flaunt their liberty. Uh, they do so on social media. Um, I, I'm not going to, you guys probably know what I'm talking about. But sometimes you'll see on Facebook a, a brother or sister in Christ, but yet you just kind of wonder. You know, what are you thinking posting this particular post? You know? And um, I think sometimes we do things without being aware of how this might influence other brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, One, I don't think it's very considerate. I mean, that's fine. If, if you want to involve yourself in that particular activity, that's, that's your call. That's between you and God. But be considerate of others who may be struggling with the very thing that you're allowing yourself. You know, it's kind of like in Rome, the folks who could eat meat with a clear conscience and the folks that couldn't eat meat with a clear conscience. That principle applies to a lot of things. A lot of things. You know, it's not very considerate. It also doesn't promote peace in the body. Especially with folks who are struggling with some of these things that we have liberty in. You know, that that sometimes causes uh, some issues among Christians. 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. You know, you don't want to be a, a stumbling block to somebody. You want to be careful about that. Um, they may be, you know, they may be struggling in a certain area of their life that you might be permitting. And they might, they might see this going on and it may cause them to, uh, regress. I think is the right word. Fall back into some habit or some, or something that they've been struggling with. Well, if so and so is doing this and, you know, they're way up here on the scale of things, then why can't I? Well, it could be, that the person that you're measuring yourself by it could be that they don't have an issue with that. Personal confession. Um, when I was a teenager, I was the harder the rock, the better. I mean, I listened to Black Sabbath and Blue Oyster Cult and, and Led Zeppelin and Mott the Hoople. I mean, these guys were on the fringe, you know, at that time. I mean, if it was offensive, I bought it. That type, that, that was the music that I gravitated toward. And I'd crank it up as high as it would go in my house and my mom and dad would go ballistic and, 
I'd crank it up even higher because I just knew that they didn't like it. Well, I got saved. Okay? And what did I do with all of that, Diane? I threw it all away. I bundled it up. It was a stack this high, and I tossed it. Now, here's where I struggle with. Some of the Christian music that I hear is no different than what I used to listen to. And I really struggle with that. Now, to you guys, that may be just a mild example, but I do. I really struggle with that. And I say to myself, how can you call yourself a Christian group when you're playing the very same thing that prompted rebellion in me? It's because the church is being absorbed by the world. That's what I see. And that's why I react against it so strongly. That's why I have strong opinions sometimes with some of our praise music. Because in my mind, I see a danger. Does that make sense to you guys? Now that can apply to a lot of things. That can apply to a lot of things. It would grieve me to think that I was a stumbling block to a brother or sister in Christ who's trying to gain victory in an area in their life. It would. It would just grieve me. 1 Corinthians 8.12 says, But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Whoa! Talk about accountability. So on your study guide, talk about kicking it up a notch to sin against one of my brothers is tantamount to sinning against Christ. Tantamount. That's a fancy word. T-A-N-T-A-M-O-U-N-T. I wanted to find a word that makes it serious. That's pretty serious stuff. There was a family we used to hang out with that was absolutely opposed to television. Absolutely opposed to it. So when they came over to our house to visit, the TV set never came on. I think even one time we covered it over with a blanket, didn't we? No? Don't remember that? For some reason, I think we did that. Anyway, we didn't turn the TV on. Fine. You're against television? We won't have the television on. No big deal. No big deal. I wasn't about to sell my television. Because I didn't have a problem with it. I like to watch the news and sports and stuff. But they didn't, so we didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, turn it on. Now that sounds very simple, but we did it for their conscience sake. Do you understand what I'm saying? So something that you allow yourself, just be mindful of other folks. Because not everybody is there. And I'll bet there's things that I do that offend your conscience, or vice versa. Just be aware of that. It doesn't make me any better than you, or you any better than me. We just have to show grace and love. Of course, nowadays, it seems like we sin against everybody's conscience. <laughs> seems like everybody's offended about everything nowadays. I mean, you can't go anywhere or say anything without being uh, offensive to somebody. I read a comment somewhere, I think it was last night, I told Diana, I'm going to put this in my lesson. 
It appears we live in a time that the intelligent people are forced to be silent for fear of offending the stupid people. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. But balance is the key in regards to our brothers and sisters in Christ. As far as the social warriors are concerned, the blue-haired people... Anyway, if it's an area of a weak conscience with your brother and sister in Christ, just be just be considerate. Just be considerate. Huh? What's that? The bald people are offended by shampoo. Why not? Romans fourteen twenty one says, "It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak." He says, "Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth." And then Paul says to those who have the weak conscience, Romans fourteen twenty three, and he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So the bottom line is this. Just be mindful of your brother and sister in Christ. Uh, don't purposely cause another brother and sister in Christ to stumble because you you know you exercise your liberty in some matter or another. And on the other side of the coin, those who, who have these, these matters, um, make sure it's a matter of faith and not a matter of preference or opinion and attempt to hold others to your particular standard. Because there are a lot of people who do that. A lot of people who do that. They hold other people accountable to their own personal opinions or their own personal convictions. Don't do that. And then finally, I'm going on number five right now. (laughs) No, I'm just rambling. So number five, uh, consider the Word of God. Consider the Word of God. Romans 14.23 and he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Judge it by God's word. Not your opinion, not your preference, not your rules, your standards. And they may be very high. But you judge it according to God's word, rightly dividing God's word in each matter. Don't take God's word and use it to justify your whatever. You rightly divide the word of God on that thing. That's where a lot of people get themselves all twisted in knots. They'll take something out of context of God's word and they'll wave it like a little banner. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the issue. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, on your study guide, walking in the light is walking in agreement to the word of God. And sometimes, you know what? My opinion is not necessarily in agreement with God's word. It's just my opinion. I told Diane the other day, you know, I really got to stop voicing my opinions that are in my head. <laughs> It's so funny. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight. I'll be sitting there watching television, and Diane will be over there working on her crotcheting. 
<laughs> and uh, she's counting stitches. And I'm watching television and I'm spouting this opinion and that opinion. And boy, this guy's an idiot and that and that. And I'm just going on and on and on. And she's just over there just crotcheting away. <laughs> and I smile and I say, okay, you're right. <laughs> and then she'll go, she says, that's okay, Roger. That's my dad's name. Because he's got opinions about his opinions. So just be careful. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Yeah, I'm free to do pretty much anything, short of murder or thievery or anything like that. But you know what? Not everything edifies you in Christ. Not everything builds you up in your faith. On your study guide... That which I am permitting, does it edify me or another in the faith, or will it prove to be a hindrance, is the word, in my walking in the light of God's word and a stumbling block to another? So whatever it is I'm involving myself in, is it keeping me from growing in the Lord, or is it causing somebody to stumble in their faith? Again, we're thinking of others and not ourselves okay First uh, Corinthians 6.12 something very similar all things are lawful unto me but all things are not expedient all things are lawful for me but I will not be brought under the power of any well that's a big one is that something you're involving yourself is it bringing you under its control Rather, you being under the control of Jesus Christ. Is it bringing about an addiction? And that can be anything. That can be anything from alcohol to your kids. can be anything. First Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Will God be glorified in what I'm permitting myself? Will God be glorified in what I am permitting myself, or will I be bringing shame to the ministry and shame to God's name? These are just principles to consider. And again, that's between you and God. Okay? That's between you and God. Now, if you, you know, if you've got something you want to counsel on, that's fine, but it's between you and God. And a lot of pastors get nervous when I say things like that. <laughs> but it really is coming right down to it. It's between you and God. Acts twenty four sixteen. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Is my conscience clear or is the Holy Spirit dealing with me on this matter? And come on, guys, you know when the Holy Spirit's talking to you. Often I'll mention a twinge in my heart. Well, that's the Holy Spirit poking at me. Is he twinging your heart about something? You need to go to God's Word and find out why. Found out why. 
Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Can you ask God's blessing over this matter? Can you ask God's blessing over this, this thing that you're permitting yourself? Can you ask God's blessing in it? Will God say, will God give you the thumbs up on it? Colossians 3.1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. What is the seat of your affection in this issue? Is it self-centered? Is it self-fulfilling, self Or is it directed where it needs to be directed? Toward God, toward others, for the glory of God? See, that's taking God's word, right? And living it. Being real about it. Being real about it. I I can't remember who it was. It's taking it from here to here. So that it'll work out through here and in your feet. Romans thirteen eleven through fourteen says, "And that knowing the time that now is high time to wake out of sleep, I read this earlier. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I believe it's just around the corner, folks. Personally." The night is far spent. Boy, is it. The day is at hand. Yes, it is. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light because we're going to need it. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying believers. Life is too short to be bickering with one another. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the less thereof. So on your last statement on your study guide, walking in the light as God is is light is a righteous walk of sincerity and truth governed by love for God and one for another. A righteous walk governed by love. If... If that's the way you're wanting to live your life, if that's the way you're, you're, you're living your life, folks, and at the judgment seat of the Christ, you know what I say? You're going to do good. You're going to do good. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and close out, and then uh, we'll get on with the rest of our service.